you think is believing in God, in believing in the right sacrificial system, in believing in doing the right ceremonies and rituals and giving and acting right. And yet you are coming up bankrupt because you can believe in something and it doesn't change you. You can believe in something and never have to do anything about it. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Good evening. Thank you, that one person in the back. Oh, now, 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 thank you. Thank, is that really you back there? It's Janelle. Janelle! Everybody look at Janelle. Janelle tormented my life for a year because I will remember things about you. I'll notice you got a haircut. I'll, I'll notice different things. But I forget names, okay? And it's hard to be a pastor and forget names. It's not that you're not important. I have four kids. I would forget their names. I numbered them. <laughs> one, two, three, and four. So when I was trying to get them trouble, number, number three, get over here, you know. And Janelle terrified me because she knew it. And instead of helping me through my disability, she would be across the student center running at me. What's my name? What's my name? What's? And I'd be running away. Leave me alone. So Janelle. But I've never forgot her name, so it was effective. Anyway, yeah. We love her. Really? Yeah, we do. Why? She's awesome. Oh, OK. Let me go on my talk, because see best with me, Janelle. But now when you're up on stage and doing praise song, you know, let me tell you a story about there. Uh, yeah. You know, I've noticed something, and I don't know why it's happening. I notice people don't sing praise as much as they used to. Have you noticed that? And I travel around a lot, like, and different generational people, and people are just, like, not singing anymore. And I think, well, is it just not cool? Or, you know, people just don't sing in public. But then I see people in their cars and walking around, people sing. And I wonder, why don't people sing like, like, like tonight? That was good. I was behaving myself over there because I'd freak you out if I started dancing around. But I think I, re I, think I understand why. I think I understand why. And I think it, it all comes to this phrase I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, there's a difference between having faith in Jesus and having the faith of Jesus. Let me say that again. There's a difference between having faith in Jesus and faith, the faith of Jesus. You see, because with one, the first one, 
You can have faith in something, right? Like, and we're taught that. That's what I was taught coming up. Have faith in Jesus. Have faith in this. So have faith in the seven-day Sabbath. Have faith in all the beliefs and doctrines of the church, you know? And once you have all these things and you have faith in them, you're good. But then you're not. Because it's not enough. I'm going to show you a story where it happened. Uh, as the, the older I get and the more I read it, the more I appreciate the Bible. Not because I get any smarter, because I still do the same dumb things I did when I was young. Uh, but I see reflected in the Bible things I didn't see before. And I don't know, Phil, if that's from life experience, you know? Like, I can imagine when you were young and single, now you read things and you see it as a married guy, and now you have kids, and Stuff, life starts happening. The more life happens to you, the more you either reject what you read or you find deeper things in what you read. And it all goes around that thing. Am I having faith in Jesus or the faith of Jesus? So here's a story. <clears throat> One I know you've heard. I know you've heard. If you've been in any church setting, you've heard talks on this, studies on this, blah, blah, blah. One thing to note... Um, is that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some stories aren't repeated in other Gospels. You know, like, oh, they don't have that one. But some have multiple pieces of the story. And so this one, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell part of this story. It's an important story to them. And in their context of evangelism ministry, they talk to their different audiences. Mark's talking to Rome. Luke is talking to the Gentiles. Matthew's talking to the Jews who are going to become Christians. They all come up with this story. So there must be something in this story that's really super important for us to get. And here's the story. I'm going to read it from Mark 10, starting verse 17. As he was starting out on a trip, a man came running up to Jesus, knelt down, and asked him, good teacher, what should I do to get eternal life? And then Jesus goes, why do you call me good? I always thought that was strange. Well, because you're Jesus. You're good, right? You're, you're the Messiah guy. You're you're good. And Jesus goes, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And then he goes off into something else. And most of the time, you know, when we read that, it's like, yeah, that's just one of those Jesus things. Amen, Jesus, let's move on. But if I, you start to look at the layers of what this story is going to reveal to you, Jesus says that because he's pointing at not just away from him, but to God. And well, you're thinking God is good. And why are you asking me this good question? Why aren't you knowing what God is wanting from you? Why don't you have a relationship with God? But okay, let me roll with you. You want to know how you have eternal life. So Jesus says, um, as for your question, you know the commandments. How many of you know your 10 commandments? Raise your hand. People are like, is he going to ask me to repeat them? No. <laughs> yes, stand up, young man. No, I'm not going to do that to you. You might ask me and I might forget. And then, you know, all your thoughts of me as your chaplain might go away. Um, so he says, you know, the t you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. 
Do not testify falsely. Don't cheat. Honor your father and your mother. And the guy goes, teacher? <laughs> He's one of these students. Teacher, I obeyed all these commandments since I was a child. And Jesus, let's, let's pause there. And I read that, and then one day it, it hit me. How many commandments, you know, on the tablets and Moses and all that, how many commandments are there? Ten, Ten right? But he only asked him five of them. Did you notice that? What about the other four? You know, some of the apples, you got to get that fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day, you know. And, uh, but why didn't he ask that? And by the way, what are those first other three commandments about? Anybody? Relationship with God. Who said that? Carl. Who? You? Relationship with God. Jesus goes to the five, there's relationships between people and people. Why did Jesus, did Jesus forget the first four? That, that would be traumatizing. Why didn't he do it? Why does he focus on these? Does it have something to do with what the young man is asking? What can I do to have eternal life? And good teacher, and Jesus is going, good, where's your relationship with God? God's a good one. Something's happening here. And sometimes when you read things, or you talk to people, or you read a story, or watch a movie, sometimes you watch for things that aren't said, and they're as powerful or more powerful than the things that are. And so Jesus goes to that, the guy goes, hey, I've done all those since I was a kid. So he's obeying all these commandments, but yet the one question, he comes and falls on his knees before Jesus and calls him good teacher. His, he asks one question. What did he ask? How can I get eternal life? I, I'm just not feeling it. I'm doing these rules. I'm, I'm, I've obeyed since I was a kid, man. He's that kid in your class, in your church growing up. You know that person. Maybe you were that person. I certainly was not. I was, they're the people your parents point to. Why aren't you like them? You know, yeah, this guy. And then there's this weird sentence. I mean, it's weird. It, it, it doesn't say it really anywhere else that I can think of in Scripture. All of a sudden, verse 21, and uh, New Living Translation says it this way, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. Well, other translations say, and Jesus looked at him and deeply loved him. Why'd they say it like that? Because it's saying that Jesus saw through all of the things this guy is searching for. Jesus saw into his heart and his mind. Jesus saw this guy who's struggling to find out what matters in life. And Jesus what did Jesus not genuinely love Peter or John or Mary or Martha when he looked at him? Is this the only guy? But yet this is Jesus is saying, I see him. I see him and I love him. I move deeply out of love for him. And he says to him this. You lack only one thing. Wow. If I ever asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, what do I need to do? Swenson, we got a lot of work to do. 
There's a whole bunch with you. Why'd you say amen? Did you say amen, Philip? <laughs> I'm talking to my family. I'm not a perfect being. If I came up with just one thing to do, I go, yes. You only have one thing. One thing. This guy's been trying all his life. This guy has been trying to figure it out. He's, he's even come to Jesus. He, he's gone to ch- the synagogue. He's gone to temple. He's, he's kept the commandments. But somehow there's something with that first four that is missing. But Jesus didn't say it, but the guy didn't pick up on, to it. But he's leading to it. He says one thing. Can you imagine the guy just, oh, what? And Jesus says, Go and sell all you have. Give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. He says, only one thing, and I'm going to make you one of my disciples. I am issuing you a call like I did to Peter, James, John, all of them. Come follow me. And here's where we find out about this guy. And at this, the man's face fell. Don't you like that? How did your face just hit the ground? What? But you know, can you see it? His face just went, what? what? His face fell. And he went sadly away because he had many possessions. Matthew says he was a young man who is rich. Because I was looking, hey, wait, it didn't say he was a rich young ruler here, but I read the other stories, and it, Matthew says it. So let's look at this guy for a minute and see, unpack what's going on. Number one, he's religiously scrupulous, which in that day and age made him a great person in the community because it was the theocracy, the the religion, the temple, the priests were also leaders of the nation. There's no separation of God from, you know, American kind of stuff. Secondly, he's rich. Now, I don't know. Any of you want to be rich? I met a guy once. I'll tell you a story. I worked in Silicon Valley for a while. I pastored a church. And... Uh, this guy, I went over to him. He asked if I would come over, and he was distraught. And so I'm talking to him, and he says, Pastor. He goes, before he came a chaplain, he goes, Pastor, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. There had been a downturn, you know, one of those technological dips, and he had been laid off, and he was like, I'm ruined. He said, I'm bankrupt. I've lost everything. And I'm saying, oh, my goodness, man. Now, you should have seen the house. He had, yeah, it was like going to Disney World or something, man. Gigantic house. I mean, this guy had money. <laughs> he got a bonus. He was standing with a friend, one of some other church members I had there, and they were talking about the bonus they got for Christmas. Their Christmas bonus was more than I made in a year and a half. And they go, oh, sorry, pastor, you don't get a bonus. I said I did too. I got $50 from the conference. <laughs> and now that I know you got that much, you can give to church because you got a lot of extra money. Well, you know, anyway. <laughs> but this guy was distraught. And I'm working with a guy and I'm feeling for him. 
And I said, well, you know, you know, you try to cheer him up and like, well, you can get back up on your feet. Surely you can't be all gone. You know, it's all gone. You'll be okay. And he goes, you don't understand. I'll only have $350,000 a year. I can't say that I felt compassion or empathy for him. It was more like a feeling like, I ought to smack you on the side of the head if I made that in 10 years. And he's like, my life is over. Because wealth, why, why did he want wealth so much? Why do you want? I mean, honestly, can you imagine life where money isn't a problem? Like money's not a problem. I mean, can anybody relate in that? Like, money, that's not a problem. Oh, it's not a problem for me. I just don't have any, you know? You have so much money, it's like, well, you know, I can buy that. I can pay for that. I can, oh, I can give you all of this. He was rich. He was a ruler. So he was in a position of power at a young age where young men in that society did not go to power. But this guy, this guy... This guy is a, is a rock star. This guy is amazing. He's rich, and he's young, and he's a ruler. And he's empty. And he's coming to Jesus and saying, what? What do I have to do? Now, I've heard sermons before where the pastor said, now all of you will sell what you have and, you know, give to church or something like that. He's not saying to do that. What Jesus is, t- is honing in on with this guy is, look, the, you have a misunderstanding of what it means to be in relationship with God. That's why he didn't say those first commandments. You think it's believing in God, in believing in the right sacrificial system, in believing in doing the right ceremonies and rituals and giving and acting right. And yet you are coming up bankrupt because you can believe in something and it doesn't change you. You can believe in something and never have to do anything about it. That's why I'm saying when you believe in Christ, it's important that you do, that you come and you have the understandings or the scaffolding that comes along with like Sabbath and how do I live and what's salvation. uh, That's good. But if you're stuck in that framework, you're as empty as this guy is. And that's why so many people walk around and say, oh, no, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I don't want any more of that organized religion. I don't either. Because if you're in that organized religion mindset of what they're saying is they've, they believe that's a belief in something, but they don't have the faith of Jesus. And Jesus goes to him and said, look, your money. And this is why Jesus always talks about riches. It's not, he, he made people filthy rich in the old Testament. Abraham, Hey, what's that guy? Solomon? Hello, gold everywhere, you know. And it's not the being rich. It's because when you have all the money in the world, you don't have issues. And you think, hey, I'm good. In the parable when he said a guy got a big bumper crop and he made so much money that he built barns and he put all his extra food in there. And he says, sold, now you can relax and good. You don't have to worry anymore. And Jesus said, you fool. 
Tonight, you, what, what happens if you die tonight and who has what you own? You should say, God willing, or thank you, God. The perspective of God first. And so Jesus, is, it's about having the faith of Christ. What does that mean? He's inviting me. So you want to know what eternal life is? It's not play the game right till the end, and then when you die or Jesus comes again, ka-ching, you cash in all your chips, and you get the big mansion, and oh, crazy stuff, streets of gold. Everybody's like, streets of gold. You'll be up there in heaven with the streets of gold. Do you ever understand what that means? It means that money, gold is asphalt. You'll be out there, it's mine, digging up the streets. And people are like, dude, that's the street. Why are you digging it up? It's mine, gold. It's mine. And running off to my diamond doorknob. <laughs> Man, if that's what you think, I, I got news for you. You're not going to like heaven. It's the faith of Jesus. Jesus said, listen, let me tell you what good is and what God is. It's me. And what he's inviting you to is not just have faith in him because that's going to leave you a container that's empty. It's the faith of Jesus. And what does that mean? It means what kind of faith did Jesus have? What things would he do for God? Was there a place he wouldn't go? Was there words he wouldn't say? Jesus, man, if you will, I, I'm, I'm safer believing in him, but going jumping in all of that with him? To live that kind of life? To walk up to people who are outcasts and said, hey, who put you outside the circle? Here, I got chalk. We're going to draw a bigger circle and a bigger. And Oh, yeah, you too. And you too. And then he forgives people that don't even ask for it. The guy lowered down through the roof. Never asks or confesses. I confess my sin. I repent. Will you save me? In fact, the guy doesn't say a word. And these guys are lowering down through the hole. And they look up. And Jesus looks up. And he goes, yeah, you guys. Because of their faith, Jesus turned to him and said, you're forgiven. Well, he didn't say he was sorry. He didn't even say thank you. He just got his bed and left. The woman committing adultery, the very act, they trapped her at it. They set it up. He got after those guys when they all left the temple. There she is. She didn't say a word. And he goes to her, hey, lady, woman, nobody's accused you? She looks around. She was waiting for the rocks. Then all the guys are gone. She goes, no. He goes, I don't either. Don't, don't sin anymore. Did she say she was sorry, Pastor Philip? Did she ask for forgiveness? Jesus does crazy stuff. He puts containers together and he blows them up. He says, hey, what do you got in your pocket? Good, feed all these people. I, listen, I know one day I announced lunch on the lawn, free burritos, and they tell, didn't tell me they didn't order them that day. I ran to my office. Students were marching around looking for me. I had to feed 50 people free lunches at the cafeteria so I could be alive. Don't mess with people with that. Yeah, Jesus said, yeah, that's enough. Sit down and start passing it out. When you walk in the faith of Jesus, Jesus, you walk into darkness and you see it as light. By faith, we see. By faith. What does it say, Hebrews 11? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So a lot of people live in this realm of faith 
in Jesus. And it's empty. And you live your life the way you want. And you don't change the world. The world just gets mad at you. Sometime, and you can do it now, I don't care. Look on your phone and just go into your query box, whatever your search engine is, and type this in. Why are Christians so? And see what comes up. To, have, to live in the faith of Jesus means, to be, means that you will not tolerate someone being othered, someone being disenfranchised, someone being ghosted, someone being hurt. When you have the faith of Jesus, you see broken people and you go, that's me. Let me love you and care for you. When you have the faith of Jesus, you don't commodify someone else. When he said, love God, love yourself, and love others as yourself, it wasn't mean like in the ways that makes you feel good, go love them. He means, no, when you look at the other person, it's you. Terry, love that person over there. They're you. Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I've, I've followed Jesus for a long time. And he gets me into nothing but trouble. When I follow him, you get into trouble. Count on it. He said, you're going to have trouble in the world. Look at me. And he's right. I'm like, hey, hey, man. Now everything will go good. My hair will grow back and I'll stay young forever. And I'll never get a disease. And my wife will still love me, which she does. 43 years. I don't know what that woman's thinking. But, but you know what? Now you're looking at me saying, how old is he? <laughs> I would not give back a day of it. Because I've learned in the journey that when you live and go in the faith of Jesus, everything that comes against you is flipped for your good. <laughs> what? I've gone through deep pain. I've gone through loss of loved ones and sat by the bed and watched them die. And I saw Jesus say, that's why I died, so we can turn that around one day. Mm. I've gone through pain where I said, God, where are you? And he said, let me show you. Hold my hand. We're in the dark right now. But later on, we hit the light. Where Jesus says, you're not in a bottomless pit being crushed. But because you're with me, you have my faith. It's a tunnel that you go through. And a tunnel is a hole that's this way through an obstacle, the fastest way through. That it's true that when I reach out and love and care for a person, all of a sudden I'm getting stuffed back and I felt it. When you have the faith of Jesus, you believe in Jesus and you have the faith of Jesus, it changes everything. And I want that for you. I want that for each of you. Is Jesus better than the world? Come on. Come on. Come on. You tell me. How's it working for you? I want you to know a Jesus that doesn't just expect you to hide out in the wilderness and hunker down till he comes, but to go in the midst of everything with the power and authority that comes from him with all of heaven behind you to send back darkness that covers this world of hate and sadness 
and breaking apart from each other. And you come as a healing, healing, healing storm in their life, as rain in a parched ground, that you give people hope and transform everything. And what do you do? Well, when I'm perfect, no, because I'm still not. And you know what? Even Paul says, look, you've all fallen short, and you will, and you're going to keep on doing it. It's not how good I am. It's about how good he is. But I found a God that loves me. And there's nothing I can do to make him love me less and nothing I can do to make him love me more because when God loves, it's complete. And transformation comes not from me trying. It comes from just hanging around him. And he chisels away things and all of a sudden I'm a different person. It's not about what I do. It's about what he did. And it's not about waiting till the end of your life. It's about now. It's about now. Better. Good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? The answer is you got it. I gave it to you at the cross. Do you want it? I said, I conquered Satan at the cross. Yeah, there's bad stuff, but I rebooted you back to Eden. You have choice again. Now, Love is a choice. Do you want love me because I love you? Will you follow me? Will you go on this adventure? Will you live a crazy Jesus life for others and change the world? And that's on you. And I pray, my prayer for you is you'll know him. You'll know him. And when you can sit in darkness and you're terrified and you just feel him and say, you know what? He said, yeah. We're in one of those parts, but hey, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Evil is bad. It's scary. Why? Because God is with me. And his rod protects me and his staff guides me. And at the end is the banquet table and the anointing of the oil. And that's what he wants for you. If you want it. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't know why, why you have me talking up here. I really don't. But I do know this. I have seen you, and I feel you. And I've had blows that later on turned to blessings. And I've had sadness that came to a deep knowing of you and brought joy. And I've seen love beat back evil. And I want each person here to know that and feel that. And may they. May they just open their hearts. All they have to do is say, Jesus, are you there? I want to have and live in the faith of Jesus. And may they also, in Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so, 
If you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there. On a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment, it makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.